I know everyone is anxious to get out there, and I am too. But I do feel like God has some things to say to us today through his word. Actually, even as we continue in our study through Acts, I thought it interesting that this passage of scripture was for today. Uh, And I think that you will see the connection of what we're doing. Chapter 6 of Acts, verses 1 to 7. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon. Parmenas and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. I mentioned to you last week how the church grew in spite of the persecution that was taking place. And we see that here in verse 1 where it says, the believers were rapidly multiplying. And this comes right on the heels of the apostles being imprisoned and beaten for their faith. The persecution was meant to deter the church from growing, even to stop it altogether and to shut the apostles up from preaching the gospel. But it seems to have had a different effect than what it was intended. Instead of the apostles being quiet, it it just propelled them to keep talking about Jesus. The church is is growing and the apostles are saying, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We must obey God rather than men. And one may wonder how persecution can help the church to grow. And it's simply this, persecution purifies the church. And I said that to you last week. It weeds out those who are playing church. Another way of putting it is, it separates those who are real in their faith from those who are not. And the end result is, the church's light gets a whole lot brighter. Now, chapter 6 reminds us that the devil, though, he, he never goes to sleep. Where there is great growth in the Lord's church, there is also great Warfare. Did you note verse 1? I'll read it to you again. It said, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Hmm. 
The more people that you are dealing with, the more possibility of problems. And such was the case in in the early church as we get here to chapter 6. What were they discontent about? It says the Greek-speaking believers were feeling like their widows were not being cared for in the food distribution like the Hebrew widows. They, they were getting a better fair share in, in the eyes of the Greek-speaking believers. In other words, they were feeling like one group is being fed and the other group is getting less care Therefore, the rumblings of discontent. Was this injustice reality or was it their imagination? Well, I think it must have been reality as we see the the apostles responding and, and trying to come up with a solution to the problem. Another question is, was this intentional injustice Or was it unintentional? I don't know that we can actually answer that question. The scripture does not speak to that. Let me for a moment, though, talk to you about this phrase. There were rumblings of discontent. The New American Standard says it this way. A complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews. If you're reading from the New King James Version, it says it this way, there arose a murmuring. The Greek word means to mutter, to murmur, to whisper. It's a secret displeasure not openly avowed. Interestingly, this word comes from a root word that means to grumble. To say anything against in a low tone. It's of those who confer secretly together. It's of those who discontentedly complain. What we have going on here in chapter 6 of Acts is not a good thing. In fact, it's sin. It's, it's like the muttering that took place with the Israelites in the Old Testament. Now that's not to say that these folks in Acts didn't have a legitimate complaint. But, but what, where they go wrong is they handle their complaint in a wrong way. Instead of going to the apostles and registering a complaint, they talked about it with one another around the corner and underneath the table. Indeed, there were rumblings of discontent. Does that ever happen in our church? I'm sure it doesn't. Surely not. You may sense that I'm a little tongue-in-cheek. Probably it does happen. And we need to guard against it. Notice I said we. Because it can happen with me too. I can get crossways with someone or about something, and it's so much easier for me to go and complain to someone else who doesn't have anything to do with the problem rather than to go to the person whom I have a problem with and talk with them face to face. You see, the latter is what we should be doing. But the former is often what we do. 
we go to that person who doesn't have anything to do with the problem that we have and we complain to them. And when we do that, Satan loves it. If he can get us murmuring, if he can get us muttering, then he's smiling over it. Because if we murmur to someone else, then chances are that person may turn around and murmur to someone else. And you can see how it can just keep right on going down the line. People murmuring and muttering amongst themselves. And what happens if I murmur to five or ten people and those five or ten turn around and mutter to several people themselves? You can see how a little problem can grow into a great big problem in a hurry and the church can take a major hit because we chose to murmur, we chose to mutter instead of talk face to face with someone. And I assure you that the Lord hates murmuring. And if you have any doubts about that, just check out the history of ancient Israel. Philippians, though, speaks to this as well. Chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says, Do all things without grumbling or arguing, so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach. Jesus said very straightforwardly, Do not grumble among yourselves. That's John chapter 6, verse 43. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 10 and 11 says, And do not grumble as some of them did, speaking of those Jews in the Old Testament, and they were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. Let us learn from the mistakes of those who have gone before us. God hates murmuring. It can destroy a church. It can destroy a person's reputation. It can destroy a workplace too, can it? It's a sin that we must guard against. Let me get back to the text. The apostles heard about the murmuring and there may have been a legitimate cause for this concern. And so they address the problem head on. They don't sweep it under the carpet. They don't turn their head to it. They don't ignore it. There's murmuring going on amongst the body of believers. And so the apostles say, hey, time out. Let's let's have a meeting. Let's get everybody together and talk about this. And so they called for a meeting of all the believers. And I can't help but think that they addressed the problem of the murmuring as well. But we see in Scripture that they addressed the problem too of the distribution of food to the widows. They said, we, we can't take our time away from preaching and teaching the Word of God so that we might run a food program. That's what the apostles said. Uh, That was insightful. They understood their calling from God was first 
to spread the gospel. But they didn't minimize the importance of feeding the widows. And so they asked for the congregation to come up with seven qualified men who would be filled with the Holy Spirit, men who were filled with wisdom, men who had a good reputation. You come up with these seven men and let's put them in charge of the distribution of food to the widows. And they would, they would administer the whole food program. They would see that every need was met. They would see that the food was being distributed evenly. They would take care of the finances of this program. And there was finances that, that, that were needed and, and the finances were coming in. You can't run a food program without finances behind it. Remember back in chapter 4, Barnabas has sold a piece of property and he's brought the proceeds to the apostles and said, use this for anyone who has need. There were finances involved in this program. They had to buy the food. Somebody had to shop for the food. And I'm not sure exactly how the food was being distributed, whether people were coming and they were being given groceries to to take home with them, or maybe this was more like a soup line. And if so, somebody had to prepare the food. It needed management, and so the solution to the problem had been come up with by the apostles. Let me give to you two quick lessons. One, the apostles were focused on their mission. Their mission was to win the lost to Jesus and spread the good news of the gospel. They would not be distracted from their mission even by a good program of feeding the widows. They were not devaluing the food program. They were smart in knowing that they themselves could not do both. They could not run and administer a food program and effectively preach and teach the gospel and win the lost to Jesus. And so what did they do? They came up with seven men who could administer the program and that would allow them then to continue preaching and teaching the gospel and winning the lost to Jesus. And the application is very clear to us. We need to know what our mission is and stay true to that mission. Our church's mission is as follows. That we would love God, that we would love people, and that we would live God's plan. Just recently, we've had some good conversation with some folks that have spurred us to think further about our mission and our vision. And we are going to be giving further attention to that in the days ahead. But the point is, we need to know what our mission is as a church and you as an individual need to know what your mission is. Let me give to you the second lesson here. There is a place and a job for everyone. The apostles couldn't do it all themselves. And so when this need arose to feed the widows and it needed some administration, they realized that they needed some help. And thus, the seven men were appointed. And the apostles empowered these seven men to do the work. And then those seven men 
oversaw the program. They ran with the ball. They administered that program. And the apostles didn't have to keep looking in. They trusted these guys to do the work. They were faithful in carrying out this ministry. Knowing that this ministry was not really separate from the the mission of the church. The church mission was winning souls to Jesus. The church mission was to present the gospel to every person who needed to hear it. And this ministry was not only feeding hungry widows, but it was pointing people to the Savior. Keep that in mind. It's hard to to bring people the gospel if their stomachs are empty. And the application is easy. Everyone, everyone here is needed in ministry. You are needed in ministry. Some are needed simply to serve. And others are needed as leaders of ministries where there are lots of servants being organized and put to work. Hear me say this. If a church doesn't have the leaders who are willing to serve, who are willing to lead, then the servants are lacking direction and organization. And these seven men were the organizers. They were the leaders willing to lead. And did you see how this section of Scripture ended? Verse 7. It says, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. (laughs) Wow. Some really good things happen when God's people stay on mission and when the workload is spread out to include more than just a few. And that's what's happening today. We, each one, are going out and we are serving. And you, as a body of believers, the whole group of you will accomplish so much more than what just a few could do. And so as we go out today, may we go out in His name, to His glory and honor, to the building up of Jesus. And just loving those that we connect with today. You are being Jesus to people today as you go out. Whether you're knocking on doors, whether you're painting, whether you're doing yard work, whether you got a rake in your hand, whatever you're doing today, You are being Jesus to those people that you meet. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your church. Thank you that you have allowed us to be a part of your church family. And so thank you for people today willing to go out in your name and and share love with this community. Help us to be Jesus to them. And we pray this in his blessed and most powerful name.